Terence Chen, Utah Works. Thank you for talking to me. I came across you through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Jeremy Lim, the owner of restaurant Blackbird in KL. He said that when you come to Penang, you must talk to only one guy, and that's uh, you, um, because you you run this bespoke, customized, high, um, very premium leather maker out of Penang, not out of Italy. And uh, you have a very interesting background because you came from the engineering side. With yes. I think the last job was with Motorola. Yes. And then completely by chance, you fell into uh, the world of artisanal leather goods making. And here you are, seven years later, with your own workshop in Carnarvon Street in Penang. And uh, you make these incredible items uh, from the best hides and leathers from all around the world for discerning customers, again, all around the world. So tell us how you started. How I started, huh? So, 2014, after Motorola supposedly to another company, but unfortunate, unfortunate events happens, uh, so didn't manage to get there. So, um, I used to hang out at this uh, cafe, uh, friends of mine, it's called Narrow Marrow. And um, I used to do shoe polishing there for fun. Until one day my friend offered me, um, he asked me why not? start polishing for my clients so i say okay la, you know 10 ringgit a pair la, for fun la. yeah but of course um after i left my job it didn't take uh too much time for me to finish my saving la. yeah i make more than i more than i spend la. so eventually i was left with uh 500 ringgit and i started with a piece of leather couple belt buckles few simple tools and uh, this is how it uh, this is how it hit off uh, um, 180 ringgit for the first belt. <laughs> okay, so coming from traditional Chinese parents, right? Um, your parents must have been very, I guess, um, aghast that you're doing this, and they did so for the first three years. Um, mm. What did you tell them? Actually, I've noticed that an undercurrent of very very passionate young Malaysians who are doing amazing things and new kind of jobs, right? Um, so how do you overcome your parents' you know, lack of enthusiasm? Oh, overcome? Uh, you can never overcome your parents. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I'm not sure, I guess it's just proving them wrong. You prove them wrong by showing them results uh, as usual. Uh. I think since high school, secondary, college time, whenever you want to prove your parents, you show them good results. Uh. So I guess... Uh, this is how I prove to mine, at least my parents are. So I need to show them that I can survive alone. You've got this amazing workshop in Cardamon Street in Penang. Mm -hmm. You've got this huge space that you've got your machines here. You know, it's just you hand-making stuff with your girlfriend. I find it fantastic. Um, a lot of people would, would pay top dollar for this kind of stuff from Italy, mm -hmm. but very few people will think it comes from Penang. Then you've got this amazing hides, right? This amazing cow hide, ostrich hide. Um, Elephants, elephant, sharks, seal. Yes. Why is it that you buy the best of everything? I mean, you know, it's not as if it's a, you know, hugely commercially profitable because your cost is very high. Yes, I guess I'm just being careful, you know. I wanted to show off one. I can, um, you know, offer you the best thing, whether or not you want to come. That's another thing, lah. It's pretty much like. Long slama Yeah, but well, actually, because I, I myself, I am really, really into super premium materials. I've seen um, 
all sorts of things. Like it can be from wood to uh, precious metal to leather and so on. And since I'm in this line, and um, since I can manage as well, so why not, right? I mean, there must be someone out there who wanted this. Uh. There must be. Uh. So what are the success you know, metrics that you've been able to uh, enjoy you know, to prove your parents wrong? I guess, I guess it's uh, just to be able to um, live with a table full of food, I guess. I guess you know, to be able to put food is one thing. I yeah. mean, coming out as an engineer without any knowledge to uh, manage a business and um, I think zero knowing anything in business is wow, one of the toughest, man. And if I can manage it, I guess my parents. So you're able to survive on your own. You learned everything yourself. Yes, solely from the internet, from books, and countless of documentaries. Yeah. So so what kind of stuff do you do now? What kind of stuff do I do now? You do wallets, handbags, yeah, um, I mean, belts. Actually, all sorts. Uh, apart from, I mean, other than shoes and garments, uh, other than shoes and garments. The others you can find is probably BDSM equipment. <laughs> yes. So you make everything completely in order, is it? Yes, correct. So they get in touch with you and then they say, okay, I'd like a belt and then you make it for them. Mm, correct. So uh, they will send send in their measurements. So if not, they'll fly in by themselves so I can measure them. Oh. Yes, correct. Let's say like the first item that I mentioned, BDSM. So if um, if it's like a harness, body harness. So wait, hang on. So BDSM stands for bondage. Um, yes. Then what is the D? What is the D? Uh? Sadism, masochism, masochism is the correct. right? So correct. So it's yeah for deviant sexual behavior. Yes. Okay. It's a form of art. It's a form of it art. It is really beautiful. It's really really beautiful. So um, yeah yeah. I mean basically, if you want re- something really really personal. And I think this is the place you come to. This is the place you come to where you can um, avoid all those cheap materials in the in, in, in the market where currently uh, where currently available. I think we can offer you the best one that can last up to years or probably decades if you take good care of it. And uh, it's fit to your body. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. So everything you made is completely bespoke, as in to order. Yes. So you don't like have a range like, oh, I'm gonna make ten belts this year, and then I'm gonna put it in my store. Mm, and actually, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. Just at times only, randomly, or whenever I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> but usually, it's because uh, the leftovers from a certain project, right? We try not to waste them. Yeah. So we we will put life into them. So we put you know this and that all together. Then we come up with like a range. But of course. I mean, the price is still going to be expensive because uh, we have been working with uh, all these most expensive, not the most expensive, but the most high-end um, materials that, that, that we can find. And uh, there's no way that we can sell cheap. Uh, if not, we rookie. Uh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, like that all. Mm. And then, um, and then what, what is your concept of, of business and money? Or was it takes a second secondary seat to like uh, quality and craftsmanship? Mm, concept of business, or there's no concept of business. Or there's there's no there's none. I mean, I I I, I didn't come out from a business school, 
So I really know, you know, what's the cost like, what's the margin like, and I most of the time, some, I mean, at times we sell, we're only making like a, a four or two at max. That's it, because we have really really high cost. I mean, each piece of leather could cost up to a couple thousand, couple thousand bucks, and if we were to make that more than two four, Malaysians is gonna scream and Malaysians gonna scream. But your customers are from overseas, or where do, where well, do they come it, from? All over the place, all over the place. We, I mean, majority is still Malaysia. Majority is still Malaysia. But every now and then we will have um, clients from China, clients from UK, Singapore. Uh, yeah, all sorts of places. There's no specific. So the typical customer profile would be what a mm. quite wealthy businessman person or. Yeah, wealthy businessman, wealthy um, China second generation. You know. Uh, very young people. Very young. Very young people who can afford. I have no idea how, but yes, and uh, yeah, basically that. But uh, mostly are those people who are bored with uh, whatever they, that they can get from the market. So when they are bored, they wanted something new or something unique. So they will come to us to uh, to something more special and unique. Oh, so they, they so that they can properly show off. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, although we've come off this huge recession in 2008, right? Mm. Um, this has been this huge influx of capital and the wealthy have become even more wealthy. So you can see that in the car world, in the watch world, in the clothing world, in the yacht world, um, they, they want to go beyond the mundane and, and ordinary, right? Correct. Mercedes is not enough. No, Lamborghini right. is not enough. Uh, Pagani maybe, right? Or uh, McLaren, right? So. Rolex is not enough, it's Patek already, right? So it's the yes, same sir. thing with leatherware, right? Correct. You want to go beyond your, I don't know, uh, tons or whatever, right? This is beyond tons already, isn't it? Definitely, because uh, we are sharing the same tannery with MS and... Uh, Who's MS? MS. Hermes. Okay. Okay. yes. Okay. And uh, YSL, Louis Vuitton, I mean all of those. And uh, it took me a year or so to collect all these Tanneries and try to approach them so that I could acquire in uh, the lease MOQ because uh, usually they will go by 200 square feet minimum quantity right yes correct. so why would they agree to work with you if they're like you know if you don't buy so much from them no la, normally they'll push me to another downline la. yeah unless they're friendly enough no? I, yeah. I've met a few I've met a few there's uh, I think there's this one very friendly from uh, Ashland it's called it's pretty famous Halloween yeah, Hongwen, um yeah, they don't mind la, in uh, in the in the least quantity. Yeah. And, and then of course there are big shots who mine, like Haas Henry from France, those who are who usually work with uh, MS a lot. And uh, it's okay. Sometimes we pay a couple more hundred bucks just to uh, buy uh, lesser la. just to yeah. buy lesser. La. So we don't waste that, you know. You don't buy two hundred square feet and put it there and do nothing, right? Yeah, so how did you get over the MCO and, you know... How did I get over? Yeah. Actually, we, su we, we suffered quite a bit. I mean, we enjoyed the beginning of it. Everyone started spending like no tomorrow. I think that's the, that's the first year. And then, of course, there goes the second year. Second year already, right? Yeah, second year already. Yes. So the second year, I, there's a halt to it. And then at one point, we makan kosong for four months. Wow, which is basically yeah, no money for four months, no revenues. Yes, four months. 
and we have to pay our rent, our everything, our bills, feed ourselves. So, but okay lah, because the first year was was tough anyway, right? Mm, mm, so manageable, manageable. Just don't eat that much lah. <laughs> <laughs> so you continue to do this for the passion, for the artisan, you know, artisanship. It um, is. You know, obviously, I'm sure it's not. Hugely recurring in terms of revenue because you know it's not a department store that you run. It's yeah, I mean. So why do you do what you do? I mean, if you if you ask anyone who who, who does business, uh, no one is gonna tell you that they they will import using foreign currencies and sell it in India, especially in Malaysia. Selling it in Singapore dollars or Thai baht is fine. In Vinget, yo, think about it, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, to be very frank, I think I'm still lucky enough to, to not have to uh, feed my family. And I'm lucky enough to be, uh, to be here, to just, you know, make money to support myself and my partner. And I think this is what make it possible. And this is why I'm here, I guess. Yeah, this is interesting because I think you're 33 years old this year. You've been doing this for the last seven years. Um, and the first three of those, that period was the toughest time. You know, and basically you were, you were spending more than you're earning. Mm. Um, but that's not the same about entrepreneurship, right? Entrepreneurship, you start when you're young, when you've got less to lose, you're the strongest and most resilient. And then you do it for five, ten, hopefully you survive you survive 5, 10, 15 years mm-hmm. then you come out after 15, 20 years and you've got your classic 10,000 hours of you know Malcolm Gladwell-esque uh, <laughs> expertise under you and then you're ready to hit the big time right mm. I mean so so the fact that you survived COVID is interesting yeah I I guess I guess it's just staying resilient to just be really kiasu kiasu is the real spirit man well, what is being kiasu? Kiasu, uh, you don't want to admit um, failure. Uh, you, don't want, you don't want to uh, admit your defeat. Uh, you do whatever shit to, to stay alive. Uh. Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. Like, at one point, I was left with one ringgit 90 cents for two damn fucking weeks. <laughs> almost three. Almost three. I was, I was lucky that I fall sick and my friends send me food and drinks. If not, I don't think I can survive. Shit, dude. <laughs> but it's it. I mean, I mean, now that you think of it, now that I I think of it, I think it's fun. But during that time, it was shit. It was shit, man. Hopeless. Seriously, hopeless. You, yeah, you would think of any anything uh, to do. But luckily, uh, on the third week, um, another sales came in, and from that point, uh, I tried my best uh, to not simply waste money uh. Do not simply waste money la. But yeah, MCO also uh, gave us like quite a few months of song. So um, it's okay la. It's okay la. Living in Malaysia is not that hard la. Yeah. So how do you plan to take the business? You know, the next five, ten years. Do you plan to stay small? Do you do you want to expand? You know. Def- definitely, um, expansion is in the plan. Um, eventually, we will come up with two lines. One is to um, go back to the original state where everything is machine made, but we will uh, we will um, provide the best leather that you can find 
but in cheaper costs so, because we don't spend more man hours on it. Uh. We use machine. Uh. But you get to enjoy the quality leather. And so, right now everything is handmade, right? Fully handmade. Hand stitch, hand everything. Yeah. So so explain justify the high price. Justify the high price. Uh. Hmm. I cannot to to be frank, I mean like I said, uh, the cost is probably half of the bag already. So if we are going to use two weeks uh, to make that two thousand bucks and one month you have got four weeks on here. So with four weeks you, the max you could make of let's say uh, you only take two you know two bags take up four weeks and how much you are making? Four thousand. Four thousand that's that's lesser than my engineer salary you know. So uh, a lot of people say that you know things are very expensive and this and that but it's not true if you look at mine our costs are rather high because we use the best stuff and those that you can find in the market those can cost up to what um, 8,000, 9,000 if I tell you the cost are you going to kill yourself uh? <laughs> if I tell you the cost uh, you stop buying uh? Yeah. so tell me tell me the cost tell me how much the big brands are making off customers hey one man <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, for example, uh, a piece of leather for us uh, that we use uh, from a tannery called Realma. Realma has been made fam famous because of MS. MS has been using them to make the, the big tree, uh, the Kelly, the Birkin and the Constance. So those for a piece of gold can hit up to six to eight hundred ringgit. Depends on the size of course. It can be, it can be cheap if, if it's small. And then we're going to make it into a bag. So a bag, let's say we take like um, a single coat, right? So that would be a, that would be the cost of maximum eight hundred. So if I were to sell it, right, at most it's probably two point four k. Two thousand four hundred ringgit. Yeah. But the Birkin, the Birkin would cost about fifty thousand ringgit. Birkin minimum, yes. Fifty thousand, yes. yeah. sixty thousand, around well there. And they can go up to two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Depends on the ladder, yes. A croco Birkin can cost easily up to four hundred fifty. Half thousand. a million ringgit. Yes, half a million. And easily. the cost is less than a thousand. Ah, no lah, crocodile. Crocodile, I, I've I've calculated before lah. Uh, justifiable, justifiable. And but I believe since it's big company, right? They buy in big cargo, so the cost is definitely lesser. So it's, it is justifiable if it's from a small maker like me buying two huge crocodiles just to make one Birkin and sell it at 450k. It will be okay. That means that the cost will hit around 150. Wow. 150k. 75,000 per crocodile. Almost there, but lesser because you, you will need linings, you will need a lot more. Yeah. Um, other materials uh, and also not to mention labor mm. yeah, yeah. just the work itself is really tedious and um, to be able to source such a huge crocodile that is what that's that is another thing so a 35 cm Birkin right a crocodile that doesn't mean that the crocodile is 35 cm you can only use the belly so the side right is scrap so those scrap cannot be used much. so you have to imagine yourself getting a at least 45 cm crocodile to be able to craft a 35 cm Birkin. A 45 cm crocodile from belly? La. From belly to belly, point, yeah. widest point. 
Yeah, yeah. Because the rest of the crocodile, doubly pakai lah. Doubly pakai lah. Uh, the tail part is too scaly. Yeah. The 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 jaw part, the chin part is too small. Yeah. Can probably made into uh, watch straps, but of course it, the quality is not on par lah. And also not to mention the aesthetic of the scale. Yeah. So the best part is only the belly. So what's next for you? What's next ah? I don't know, moving, I guess. Moving away and then I want to set, set up a much bigger space for uh, students. So our next direction would be hosting more classes. Lah, to raise awareness actually. Yeah. Yeah, not to... Okay, lah, of course, we're making a bit of money from class. Lah. That definitely have to. Lah. But the main idea is to raise awareness of what um, artisans or craftsmen uh, really are. You know, it's never about those keychains that you buy from Hatyai for 200 baht is um, is to understand the cost and the labor behind uh, you know what is an actual real beauty of a, of a properly crafted leather goods that is very important because uh, if I were to guide you right now right here to make a simple cut case like this it would probably take me three days probably wow. take me three days wow. to, to guide you lah I mean I myself I can finish in maybe two days yeah yeah two days uh, to touch up everything lah but the details in there is very very different like how do I make it stay this way and yes. not slip up <laughs> yes, yes, yes yes and the way of uh, manipulating the scales of uh, alligator mississippensis you don't do it this way why do it this way yes, yes and how yes. do you not cross cut the crevices so that uh, it will prolong the life of your edges and how do you even do a simple saddle stitch which is uh, rather it's not really a lost technique uh, but it's hardly being used uh. only the craftsman will know yeah and how do you even properly finish an edge paint that is better than everyone's wow. yes so uh, yeah all these small little things in in, in uh, our line is what matters it's never about the word Handmade. Handmade, I can. Yeah, like I said, you know, 200 baht versus 5,000 ringgit. Both are also handmade. But why 5,000 ringgit? Yeah, I think that is where. This is why you pay. This is why you pay so much. You see that you come to learn from us, then we will show you why is it 5,000 or you buy from us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude, thank you so much. Hey, okay, no problem.